Hi, everybody. This is the Third Fridays podcast. My name is Christian Cison, and we haven't done this for a couple of months. Uh, I don't really have that great of an excuse other than I've been working on a special project, which will be coming to you guys in webinar form, right? That's exciting. No? I was thinking you were probably just being lazy for two months, but yeah, yeah let's go with the oh, project. thanks, Joe. <laughs> thanks. Okay. Um, well... Nevertheless, we are here today, uh, and as you may have heard from his uh, lovely voice, Joe Jones is my guest uh, this month. He did appear previously. What was the topic that we spoke about last time? Uh, I think we talked about permanency. Right. So we like to compare Jersey and New York. Uh, We're going to do that here today uh, with respect to jurisdiction. Now, jurisdiction can come in many forms. Uh, But we're going to talk about cross-state issues and why a claim would be established in one state versus another. But, Joe, tell me why the New Jersey Supreme Court is in the news today because of that issue. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Christian. It's actually – there was a case decided. It's called Keith Williams versus Ray Moore's Furniture Company. Uh, The site for that is 449 New Jersey Super 559. It's an appellate division case that came out on April 19, 2017. And the reason it's in the news is because the Supreme Court, the New Jersey Supreme Court, uh, has decided to take that case up and decide whether or not the appellate division made the right decision. So let me tell you a little bit about the case itself, uh, the underlying case, and then what the appellate, appellate division did and why they did what they did. And then we, I guess, can talk about maybe where we think it goes from here. Sure. All right. So the underlying case uh, was a Patterson case. Uh, the petitioner lived in New Jersey. Uh, he applied online for a job with uh, Ray Moore's Furniture. He actually attended his interview in Suffern, New York. Uh, he gets the New York job, ultimately. He works in a New York facility, and he gets hurt in New York. So the, the Allegedly hurt. Right, but, allegedly right. hurt, yes, of course, because he's a petitioner or a claimant. Uh, the, everything occurred with the exception of his residency in New York. Now, the one thing that additionally occurred in New Jersey is when the company calls him, after the interview, to offer him the job, he's in his house in New Jersey. He accepts that phone call, and he accepts the job. So the acceptance of his employment also took place technically in New Jersey where the cell phone call was made. And you'd think that wouldn't be that important, but... Well, the, the, uh, the judge who decided the case, Judge Pollard from Patterson, who's a great judge, uh, didn't think it was important enough because he wound up dismissing it. Uh, essentially what happened is the petitioner brings his case in New Jersey. The respondent raises lack of jurisdiction as a defense. The petitioner's attorney files a motion to strike that defense, indicating that the guy lives in New Jersey and and this acceptance of a job offer in New Jersey took place as well. Judge Pollard uh, denies the motion and dismisses the case with prejudice. Correct decision. Right. I think it's a correct decision, but you know, right. who am I to say? How many more times are we going to brown nose Judge Pollard? Right. Well, he is a good judge. I like him. Okay. Uh, and he's a fair guy as well. So he does look at things objectively, and he looks at the whole scenario. Uh, so the petitioner then appeals that. It goes to the appellate division. Uh, the appellate division overturns the workers' comp judge, uh, determines that New Jersey has jurisdiction. It interprets the phone call of accepting the job offer as the final act needed to complete the employment contract, which is interesting. Um, and it says basically that this and New Jersey residents is enough. So now uh, it overturns the judge's decision, re- restores the case, and now the, it's been taken to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has agreed to take that case and determine once and for all what the law in New Jersey should be. That's, that's kind of – I think that's kind of good, right? So uh, not the appellate division opinion, right, but – 
it's good that the New Jersey Supreme Court is deciding to hear it, right? Because then it gives the respondent another chance to make its case as opposed to the appellate division case becoming the law, right? Right. Absolutely. I, I think, again, I, I happen to agree with Judge Pollard's decision in this case, um, and, and I hope the Supreme Court also agrees with him. But you're right. It, we want a final decision on this because this could cause some interesting implications uh, going further down the line if you sort of think this through and uh, the fact that the phone call itself was enough to add jurisdiction to New Jersey. Okay. So let's let's tackle jurisdiction as just a issue without respect to this case, right? Okay. Uh, what are the bright line tests or, or are there any in New Jersey for establishing jurisdiction in a Jersey comp court? Well, generally, if the place you have the accident occurs in New Jersey, uh, New Jersey will have jurisdiction. If your employment place is in New Jersey, the company you work for, uh, that's also a New Jersey jurisdiction. Um, or if you have sufficient contacts with New Jersey, so for example, if you work at maybe a Toys R Us, where Toys R Us has a lot of different companies throughout the state and a lot of different locations throughout New Jersey, uh, that could be enough to have jurisdiction here. There's also the residency of the petitioner, but residency alone is not enough to get jurisdiction in New Jersey. It's not enough that you just live here and all those other things take place out of state. Okay, so would you say it's, it's, it's a case-by-case -case determination by the judge to determine if jurisdiction exists? Yes, I would agree with that. Okay, so that's how it is in New York a little bit. Um, I, I don't like like it sometimes because it, it's kind of up to the discretion of whoever uh, is presiding over the case. Um, the test in New York is pretty similar, sufficient and significant contacts to support a reasonable conclusion that the employment was to some extent cited in New York. Now, just looking at that sentence – there's so many subjective words in that. Sufficient, right? Right. Significant. Reasonable, you know, we're taught that it's subjective, right. but is it really in practice? No. Right. And then to some extent, cited in New York. And that's what scares me a little bit uh, when defending jurisdictional uh, cases or jurisdictional denials is that there's always going to be at least a little bit of contact with New York. And so a lot of times it will depend on who, what judge you're before or um, – essentially something that you can't control, right? right. So um, we have defended those types of claims before. It really could go either way in a lot of them. Would you agree? Yes. Uh, and, and in New Jersey, we see it most common in New Jersey with like medical provider applications okay. where the petitioner brings a New York comp claim, um, rightfully so. He has jurisdiction in New York, but then for whatever reason decides to go to New Jersey to get some treatment. Because I guess in New York, you guys can pick your own doctor. The petitioners and the claimants can pick their own doctors. In New Jersey, we have control over that. So they come here to New Jersey. They get some treatment. And now the doctors do not like – the New Jersey doctors do not like your New York fee schedules because their bills get severely reduced <laughs> right. under that. So right. they file a medical provider application in New Jersey to try and get more money. The only standard we have here is usual and customary fees, which is basically a comparison of all – all the other times the provider billed and what they got paid and everything else. So they do have a chance to get money here. But that's when we raise jurisdictional issues saying, look, this is a New York comp claim. You don't have – got to follow and accept the New, Jersey, uh, the New York fee schedule and you shouldn't even be in New Jersey talking about this. And that's an interesting point because you bring up the difference between New York and New Jersey. Um, obviously, that's a big reason why you're on today's show because we want to talk about the interplay between those two states. Uh, and the two of us have uh, a lot of experience dealing in those two different uh, jurisdictions. Right. This case in particular, now if we're going back to the, to the decision from the Jersey Supreme Court to hear it, is interesting because the case was established in New York. So he gets temporary disability 
and medical treatment in New York, and now he's filing for permanent disability in New Jersey. Right. Now, we discussed this a little bit before going on because I was just kind of shocked as to why he would be in New Jersey in the first place, right? right? right. We talk about all the time about how, like, in New Jersey you can control treatment and why it would be so much more preferable to file in New York. But is there – any reason you can think of of why he would have an established claim in New York and then go to New Jersey? Well, I would imagine, uh, and you would be a better person to speak to this in terms of the New York side, obviously. Oh, thanks. But but uh, I would imagine that there's something to be gained by him in New Jersey that he can't get out of New York at that point. So in New Jersey, you can get a permanency award after you've gotten medical bills paid and after you've gotten temporary disability paid. At some point, you reach MMI, you're back to work, and now there's no more payments to you at that point in New Jersey. Your temp stops, you're back to work. You can still receive a permanency award even though you're back to work and and functioning fairly normal at your job uh, based upon the body part and the degree of disability you have and everything else. So I don't know if you have something similar in New York. I think we talked a little bit before. What a a great segue, Joe. Back to me, huh? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so – uh, we did talk about this. I, I think it's interesting, and obviously we don't know the ins and outs of the facts of the case that aren't in the published opinion. But when I was thinking about this, I thought about how non-scheduled sites of injury in New York, which would normally be amenable to a loss of wage earning capacity award or you know, in Jersey you know, a permanency award, right? Those don't apply if the claimant is back to work without a reduced earnings claim. So if he's back to work making the same amount of money or more and he still has residual disability in the back, in the neck, if it's a site claim, certain things like that that aren't amenable to a schedule, right, then he's not going to get a permanency award in New York. Okay. That's interesting because that probably is the reason because I thought the same thing. When I read the case and I and you highlighted the fact that, wait, this guy had an established case in New York – I read it twice. Like, well, why would he do this then? And you're right. That's probably something his attorney thought of. In New Jersey, that, those same body parts, a back, a neck, or even a site claim, um, you can still get a permanency award for those. They're, they're in what's called a partial total category, which is to separate them from the other delineated parts of the chart that we use in New Jersey, like hands and toes and fingers and stuff like that. Um, but you can still get a permanency award for those while you're working. So that's a huge difference, actually, right there you've highlighted. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I'm going to put aside my beef with the term partial total because <laughs> it just uh, you know government it, intelligence, you know <laughs> stuff like that. It's, a, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you said that one, not me. Just in case Big Brother's watching right, us, right. <laughs> uh, which is actually a little bit more interesting for today's podcast. This is a new venue for the podcast uh, since we've moved locations. Right, right. First first time ever in this podcast uh, in this uh, venue in our office. And to me, it actually looks like a Dexter kill room. (laughs) So it's also also probably protecting us from the NSA as we speak right now. So I think we're, we're, yeah. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) So we can talk all about the government intelligence or lack thereof. No one knows other than your, your uh, listeners. Okay. Right. Well, they're good people. Yes. Okay. All right, so let's get back, let's get back to the matter at hand. We, we're, we're, we're waiting anxiously for this New Jersey Supreme Court opinion. It's not going to happen soon because you know the appellate division opinion uh, did come out recently. Right. But what would happen to the system 
if the New Jersey Supreme Court affirms the appellate division here, I would be very scared for respondents in New Jersey if they would just have to establish what, – what do you say? What you, a final act of the employment? Oh, right, of the employment contract. Like, uh, Yeah, it, it amazes me, the, the appellate division's decision. Um, the mere fact that the location of where he received his cell phone call to accept his employment determines jurisdiction. Now, I don't know if you, if you take this one step further. Let's just say he's on vacation in Hawaii and gets the phone call offering the job. I don't know if the Hawaii workers' compensation courts are going to determine, well, he doesn't have residency there, and it's only the acceptance of the I'll take that even one step further, right? Let's say he gets the call in New Jersey but has a vacation to Hawaii next week. What if he's already had the sufficient contacts for New Jersey and New York, and then he says, you know what? I think I'll establish jurisdiction in Hawaii. I'm not going to take this call. Mm, yeah. I'm going to go on vacation yeah. and then make the call. Right. That is – Listen I to mean, the voicemail message and say, <laughs> right. Look, let me check the workers' comp system right, in both right, states and see right. what's more to my benefit. I'm going to prove that my email accepting the offer was from an IP address at my Hawaii hotel, right? That's that's the length that this could go yeah. go to if the New Jersey Supreme Court affirms the appellate, uh, the appellate division in New yeah. Jersey. And it's obviously very problematic. I, I think it's a little crazy. And, and again, like residency alone in New Jersey is not enough. You have to have some additional factors. You would think they'd have to be a little bit more significant than just the receipt of a phone call in that same state. That's, and, and if right. where you live isn't even enough, why would just the mere addition of that phone call be enough to add on on top of that? See, it, it blows my mind, actually. Right. Yeah. I think you know we normally play guess the outcome on this show, but I think we actually just kind of played it with this case right here. I'm going to go ahead and guess the New Jersey Supreme Court reverses the appellate division. I just I, think it would it would just have too far reaching of a result. That I mean, look. What, what's it, your record for predicting again? Because I don't know if I should agree with you right <laughs> See, now. See, I, I haven't played. I haven't played. I've, I've usually been the the You're question the asking the, question. asking the okay. questions. Uh, so uh, yes, all of my guests have been really good at this. I'm, uh, I'm going game. to agree with you. I I think that they're going to they're going to overturn the appellate division's decision and therefore re, you know resupport the original judge who decided this. That there should not be jurisdiction on that additional fact alone. It yeah. just opens up way too many avenues for for jurisdiction to occur in New Jersey, right? And and it, honestly, if it if it if it affirms the appellate division, every jurisdictional case that's been decided on different grounds, it's at risk for being reopened now, right? Yeah, potentially, not and, saying and we're that definitely going to have a lot more jurisdictional battles ahead of us. And why would why would right. why would the courts want that? I'm I'm going to go with theory and practicality. Normally they don't mesh, but here I, I think the New Jersey Supreme Court's got a level head here, and they're going to make the right decision, uh, reverse the appellate division, and find for no jurisdiction in New Jersey. The guy's got an established claim in New York. Yeah, and again, that's as we discussed, that was more mind-blowing to find out as well. I had thought it was just the guy brought his claim in New Jersey. This was the result. He, he uh, appealed to the appellate division. And then again, when I read it, when you were talking about it, it no, he actually had an established claim in New York. Received his medical benefits, received his temporary disability, then brought the claim in New Jersey. So it's crazy. And I think this really highlights just the problem that you're going to have to go through when you make a jurisdictional defense too. Um, one thing that I've thought of, right, is to – maybe it's a future issue, right? Insurance companies should really write their policies to exclude claims outside of the jurisdiction that they mean for the employer to do business in, right? Right. 
because if that if the policy can really explicitly control that right it's not going to change the relationship between the insured and the insurer and they can actually get out of these early by writing that into the policy i think that's mm-hmm. a very important thing to think of when writing new policies uh i know that you know most of the people that listen to this podcast are actually adjusters and and self-insureds that are dealing with policies already in place but it is something to think about sure uh another thing right preserve other defenses right this shouldn't this should never never be the only defense that you have to a claim right. yeah obviously right? right because if it is you really run that risk of sufficient context significant context uh, context to establish the claim in the jurisdiction that you don't want it to right. be in right? right because that's always a game you can't really make a prediction as to what judge is going to be on the bench and rule in, uh, right. in your favor or against you and especially for you guys in New York I mean, you have a much stricter timeline for bringing defenses and whether or not right. you issue those. Right. We're, we're a little bit more flexible in New Jersey where I could amend my pleadings to then include an additional defense that I might have left out in the original pleading. And the courts are pretty flexible to allow that to happen. So, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I'm going to, you know, you're basically going to start putting jurisdiction as a defense in every answer you file in New R- Jersey. You might as well. As soon as you, you see New well. York or something out of state or, 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 you know, anything tied to New Jersey other than residency. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, Joe, uh, it was a pleasure having you on today. I know that ever since you appeared last time and someone else comes on the show and then we have a listener come in and say it was the best podcast ever, you get a little jealous, right? You, you really think well, that last no, one was the best, right? I know you've had much, much better choices of podcast guests other than me. So oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not concerned about that. Putting I'm not some jealous. modesty at the end. Uh, always a good Usually virtue. Usually I'm the bottom of the barrel. I'm the last one in the office that day. And you're like, hey, Joe, how about a podcast? So. Oh, Joe's in the office. He hasn't left. <laughs> when I see you coming, I try and leave early. Try and get out of there before I get the invite. So. Well, then that makes me thank you even more for coming on to, you, uh, coming on to the show today. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, and I thank everybody for coming on despite the fact that I haven't done this in a while. So this is Christian Cisan. Thank you, Joe Jones. Thank you. Defend from day one, everybody. Take care, everybody.